0: Last March, we celebrated Women's History Month by sharing the stories of 31 women who were instrumental in shaping the geek verse as we know it in a special series called Forgotten Women of Genre. And now that series is becoming its very own podcast. That's right. Starting August 30th, all 31 episodes of Forgotten Women of Genre will be available for you to binge your little hearts out, whether you're at the beach, on your way to college, or enjoying a little staycation, you can stream Forgotten Women of Genre starting this Labor Day weekend. And make sure to subscribe because we have so many more stories to tell you. You can get Forgotten Women of Genre wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Strong Female Characters, a podcast where every week we assemble like a feminist Voltron to celebrate the badass woman in geek culture through unfiltered deep dives into the nerdverse. I'm Cher. And I'm Courtney. I notice I have like a certain, like diction thing, like a cadence thing that I do towards the end of that intro. That's all I got for you.
1: Every time we, you know what, we have our ways <laughs> of like saying how we say it, and it's like we cannot deviate.
0: I always say into the nerd verse, like we're diving in. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs>
1: That one week that you weren't on and I did the intro, I did it that same cadence that you did it. I was like, oh, no, this, I'm just
0: cosplaying as Cher right now. I actually had I've had people dress up and dress up as me twice for Halloween in my life.
1: What they what they wear, docks and.
0: um No. So the first time it happened, oh my, God, I can't remember the second time, but it did happen twice. But the first time it happened, it was when I was a personal trainer and it was my training manager at the gym he put on a black wig and he put on the girls. Uh, this is when I worked at Crunch. So it was the f- the female trainers Crunch T-shirt. And then he put two balloons under his shirt. So he had boobs. Jules
1: once did that. She came into my room wearing one of my bras and my glasses. And she was like, look, I'm mommy. And I was like, yep, that's all I am. Boobs and glasses. The Courtney and story.
0: Um, yeah, so that's, uh, so I have had people cosplay as me. I can't remember what the second time was, but I know, I know it was twice. I do know it was twice. I don't know why I can't remember the second time. The perils of fame. <laughs> it should. Um, so it's, it, we're recording on a Saturday. We're minus a pre-fee.
1: She's off being very, very fabulous.
0: Yes. She's at a wedding and she looks very fancy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we're doing the shiznit without her.
1: Yeah, we're rocking it.
0: Um And there's also a bunch of shit going on this weekend. There's so much. Is it D23 or D23? Like, how is it properly said? I say D23, but that's one of those things that I've never
1: heard in real life, just seen.
0: I say D23, but I feel like I say it like that because it's like, it makes me think of a droid.
1: It makes me think of Britney Spears, like, D23, I don't need you, and me. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't say
0: how it's said either because yeah. it's just D two three on everything.
1: We've been so we've been calling it D twenty three in our our meetings, but like, who cares what what we nerds what we nerds
0: think? We're not real. I want to I want actually I want people to tell us what yeah. the correct way is. It D two three or D twenty three? This might have to become a Twitter poll. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of nonsense that so then people could fight yeah. on Twitter about how they pronounce it.
1: I just talked about this the other day. It's like when like. When I found out that uh, the artist's name is Boney Vare and not Bon Iver, which is what I just assumed his name was.
0: Oh, no, I knew it was Boney Vare. Oh, I knew because you're fancy because you're a fancy lady. Because I'm a liberal, Northeast liberal, East Coast liberal elitist. I'm a
1: Midwest liberal elitist and we don't get things said out loud to us. I don't
0: think I don't think there's such thing as an elitist in the Midwest. I think that's like. The elitist attitude is like East Coast because we think we're better than everybody else.
1: We're elitist over like kinds of soda and like kinds of fast food. Those things that Midwesterners get elitist over.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, D23, D23, however it's pronounced, is happening. And there's so much stuff being announced, which is Kind of banana pants, considering that San Diego Comic-Con was like literally five seconds ago. But yeah, they have a lot of stuff to announce.
1: Well, I just think it's, you know what, like to a certain age group, and I'm like a a couple years too old for it, but there's a lot of people younger than us who are very excited about this. There is going to be a Lizzie McGuire revival starring Hilary Duff herself as a, a 30s person. And so, yeah, that's happening. Good for you, Lizzie McGuire fans.
0: You waited. You held out. Sure. Okay. (laughs) But things that we care about. Yeah. (laughs) Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we knew was happening. We knew it
1: was happening, but they, they showed the cast, and the cast will include Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter. And I kind of wonder if there will be justice for Sharon Carter, the much maligned character that they just like... They just used and abused, but didn't really use that character. And I hope she gets something good because she deserves
0: better, maybe, yeah, i I just I thought that whole love storyline with her and cap was
1: really gross,
0: actually. It's, it's like, oh cool. The guy that was like in love with your aunt, yeah, go ahead and hook up with him, yuck, nas that's that like felt like a reality show that you would see on TLC. Like when the channels says sister wives, I feel like that was like, that's the vibe I got from that.
1: Well, and for her to have no purpose other than love interest, which was such a like early MCU kind of thing. And so now I think it's all about like, phase four is about reclaiming the narrative. So we've got like, you know, Natalie Portman Thor, Natalie Thornton. We've got, you know, Sharon Carter actually getting to do something like maybe this is like a new dawn. Captain Britain or Captain England. What is it? Captain Britain. Um, I went from having no feelings about WandaVision to being very excited for WandaVision because it sounds bananas bonkers. It is going to be part Outer Limits, part like 60s style sitcom. It will feature an adult Monica Rambeau. It will feature Kat Dennings and Randall Park uh, reprising their roles from Thor and Ant-Man and the Wasp and Katherine Hahn as a nosy neighbor. And I think every show needs Katherine Hahn as a nosy Catherine neighbor. Katherine Hahn's
0: amazing. I love her. I just want Catherine Hahn in things. I don't even care what she's doing. I no, it's fine. Also, we're getting a Miss Marvel series. So which good. Which I think is awesome. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people think is awesome. Mm-hmm. And apparently she will also be showing up in the movies. So that there's going to be finally a little bit more intersection between the films and the TV shows. I know that there was some with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because of Agent Coulson, but now we're actually having one of the supers going back and forth, which has not happened yet. We're going to get She-Hulk is going to be a TV series, right? Or yes. a movie. Yeah, a TV, TV, TV series. series. And then Moon Knight we're also, is also getting made to series, which I know there's a lot of Moon Knight fans on, out there. I'm not going to burn down to know anything about Moon Knight. But I think this also quells the, the geek hope that, because a lot of people were hoping Keanu was going to be cast as Moon Knight. And that's not happening. But isn't he rumored to be in the Eternals? I believe so. I don't know. I don't know that that's been confirmed. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but there's been so much
1: buildup to like getting Keanu into the MCU that it's like that's gotta be announced at some point.
0: But you know who will be in the Eternals? Kit Harrington. That just got announced. So it's basically gonna be like a Game of Thrones reunion because Richard Madden is playing Icarus in the Eternals. And uh, Kit Harington is now also going to be in the Eternals. Black Panther 2 is official, which we all knew that was happening. So I'm most excited about the Obi-Wan
1: series starring Ewan McGregor. And I'm very, very excited for it.
0: I think everyone's very excited for it because Ewan McGregor deserved so much better than those prequels. And who would have ever thought that, like, Obi-Wan's kind of hot? Like, he, <sighs> like we have a hot Obi-Wan. Ob, I want Kenobi. Ob, I want you in between my legs, Kenobi. Anyway. All up in my Nobi. <laughs> and then the Mandalorian, which looks surprise. I mean, actually, I'm not surprised it looks awesome because John Favreau obviously is, you know, directing the series and he's show running it, right? Yeah. I'm not surprised it looks awesome because he is a fantastic director. And listen, everybody always likes to credit, you know, Robert Downey Jr. With he's the reason that the MCU, he kicked it off. Without him, there wouldn't be an MCU. But like same John Favreau.
1: Without John Favreau, Robert
0: Downey Jr. wouldn't have been an Iron Man. Yeah. He would not have been an Iron Man and we wouldn't have gotten that movie. So I think that he also deserves the credit so I I trust in his geekdom and also in his skill as a director to make a really cool thing out of The Mandalorian because let's be honest like I never gave a shit about Boba Fett no prove me wrong Jon Favreau Make me eat my words. Tell me what's up. As if I was on the show, as, as as if I was on that chef show that you have on Netflix.
1: I'll eat those words like delicious pasta olio olio like you make.
0: Uh, um, I'll, I'll eat them like it's no, it's, it's pasta. Isn't like puttanesca. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he makes. Finally. Make me, a, make me eat those words like I'm eating a dirty slut. Just turn me into a big putanesca, like right. you know how to do it. Um, You know what we didn't talk about? <laughs> oh, my God. What? Did you see the poster for the Rise of Skywalker? <gasps> Look at this. Oh, do you see who's in the background? Oh my god! Oh my god! How oh, my did god. we not, dude? Palpatine is in the fucking background of that poster. I oh, am so god. excited for this movie. Oh, I just got goos- I just got goosebumps. I just I'm got goosebumps. So excited right now. Yeah. Did they just release that poster? They released it earlier today, I guess. Like, I just saw it scrolling through the D23 stuff or D23. Whatever you want to say. I don't care. We are coming to you live from this poster. <laughs> Can we just talk about what that like might want- mean? I just kind of want to talk about that. I saw this, like, theory on Reddit, <laughs> fan theory on Reddit, that Snoke was just, like, a vessel for Palpatine. Like, he was using him. hmm I don't know, man. I don't know. Fucking Palpatine. What does it mean? Like, he's supposed to be dead. If he can come back, then how does that, like, what does that mean? What does it palpa mean? How am I supposed to talk about tropes at this point? I, I don't know how I'm supposed to talk about anything. Oh, my God. Somebody posted. This should just be the episode of us bugging out over this. Yeah, really? Somebody posted, and I feel like this would be amazing fan fiction for us, like, to do next time. I don't know what that voice was, but just go with it. Imagine Kylo Ren. Jedi killer, Supreme Leader, Kinslayer, and the heir of Vader, telling a dark Ray possessed by Palpatine, "This isn't you. Come back to the light." <laughs> like, like Palpatine making her so dark that he tries to save her. I, I mean, actually, I kind of fucking hate that because fuck that. Why, why does he have to save her? No, yeah. Some new footage is going to be out on Monday. I don't think I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I actually can't wait for Monday. I know. Well played, Disney.
1: Um, finally, two of our geek favorites are both helming reality series. First, Kristen Bell is getting a show called Encore, where she reunites uh, casts of high school musicals to like remount their show, which I think sounds delightful. But most importantly, real talk, given our interests. Jeff Goldblum has a series called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, and it looks fittingly banana pants.
0: This is like, honestly, and somebody tweeted this last night, <laughs> they were like, Made a joke about how uh, they're like, you know, initially they were all like, oh, like Disney owning everything is a problem, da-da-da. And then they announced the Jeff Goldblum show and he's like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> like, yeah, now I will subscribe to Disney Plus. But um, That's the thing. I butchered the shit out of that tweet. You have to go find it if you want to hear read the good they, version. They get
1: my money. Just have yeah. it. Just take it.
0: I am a sucker. I have drunk the Kool-Aid much like I drank the apple kool-aid and own everything by apple Mm -hmm. i have drank the disney kool-aid my blood sugar is out of control with all this kool-aid so yeah i mean that's 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 for now the d23 news um there's definitely going to be more because it's only saturday afternoon and there's this goes until tomorrow but i'm sure like the biggest stuff is announced yesterday and today i could be wrong um but let's take a break and then we'll come back with some other news See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly,
0: patients who can see.
1: Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All
0: right, here's some news, and I'm just going to go right into it, because there is, there is no way to prepare anyone for this story. It has to be like a Band-Aid that you just rip off, and... Instead, you're exposing a horrible wound and you realize you wish you never ripped this bandaid off. But if I had to have this experience, I must now share it with everyone else. There was a woman who lives in Missouri that uh, she thought she had water in her ear. And, you know, it was like a little annoying. And then she kind of felt what she thought was like the fluid dripping or something. So she went to the doctor. But when she went to the doctor she learned that that water was actually a very, very dangerous brown recluse spider that was in her ear. It was the size of a dime. Doctors removed it from her ear. And luckily, she never got bit, which is good because they are very, very venomous. So she's okay. But somehow, I don't know how, that this spider got in her ear. So now she goes in and wears cotton balls in her ears when she sleeps. That's it. That's the story. I have nothing else to say except for that is terrifying. I literally thought there was a bug inside my ear when I was reading this. And it also freaked me out even more because I just had an ear infection like last month. So now I'm like extra bugged out. because Literally. That? literally. That was Literally bugged out. That was secretly my fear before i knew it was a ear infection that like what if there's something else in my ear
1: you know that thing where like someone talks about bugs and you feel like you could have bugs in your hair this is that but way worse
0: no totally a brown fucking recluse spider no i saw a caterpillar on my deck this morning and i was skeeved out by that because i didn't know what kind of caterpillar it was like it wasn't a pretty one that turned into a butterfly it was like one of those little skinny hairy bitches and I was like, no, I don't want this. Why
1: do we even have ears if they're just going to be full of bugs?
0: It's true. That's, that's, that's the new story I wanted to impart with everybody. So while you're listening to this, you probably had to like fix your ear because I know I had to.
1: If you're still with us, I have a palate <laughs> cleanser.
0: Let's hear this because I don't know what it is. So I'm going to get so surprised first, also.
1: First, I want to tell you that uh, next post that is in the middle of this of this piece, I'm just going to tell you the headline for it. I'm not going to click for it. I'm just going to read you the headline. Snowball the cockatoo dances like humans, in a way not even seen in monkeys. And that could be my whole news story. I don't even need to read more about it. I'm just really happy about how Snowball the cockatoo dances like humans, in a way not even seen in monkeys.
0: This is so weird.
1: But my actual
0: news story is... Go ahead. Let me hear the actual news story.
1: Dog owners are more likely... To have healthier hearts.
0: Oh, I knew that already.
1: I know, but they did another study that, like, just fully proved it. Like, really, really good, really goodly. Out of the Czech Republic, they looked at about 1,800 people, and the participants had, like, good ass, healthy ass hearts. And it was all because of dogs and also other animals, but mostly dogs. Dogs are amazing. Because dog owners are more likely to exercise, and than those who don't. Also, they are more likely to smoke because sometimes dogs are annoying, and I get it. I don't smoke, no. but you know what? Sometimes my dogs make me want to drink. I get it.
0: Anyway, my dogs you know don't what? You want to drink? Your,
1: your good good dogs are giving you that good good heart, and maybe they're going to protect you from ear spiders.
0: One of my dogs is sitting right here at my feet. It's always Rizzo because Grover could give a shit what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Rizzo's sitting here at my feet. And I just I just want you to know he felt you being judgmental about saying that, you know, sometimes your dogs cause you to drink. Mm-hmm. Aggie. It's OK, Riz. Never you. Come Aggie's a little lush. Aggie what,
1: Aggie is constantly trying to drink either my wine or my coffee. So, like, she
0: she gets it. Aggie knows. Do you want to hear a story about drinking and dogs? Always.
1: Those are my two okay. main interests.
0: I know. <clears throat> well, I don't know if those are two main interests, but. One of them is one of your (laughs) Rangers. But anyway, all right. So when I, so before I had Rizzo and Grover, I had Rocco and Jack. Rocco and Jack sadly both died last year, but I got Rocco when he was a puppy. I thought I rescued him. I learned after the fact that I did not rescue him, but I, whatever, because I think I did rescue him in a way, because I think he was probably with people that shouldn't be Having puggle puppies, but anyway, whatever. So I got Rocco as a puppy, and he was maybe, maybe six months old when this happened. So I was living in Brooklyn at the time, and uh, I came home from work. It was like I think it was like a Friday or something, and I wanted to make myself a drink, and I had this glass coffee table, so I made myself a Stoli blueberry and Sprite, and I put it on my coffee table. And I turned around to go do something. And all of a sudden I hear like clinking noise. It was much more clinkier than this. It was more like metal sounding. Like, hold on. Let me see if I can do it. Yeah. Okay. So I hear that. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I turn around. And Rocco, this little six-month-old puggle, is paws on the glass coffee table. And this is how small he was because his collar was hitting the coffee table. And he was reaching his face over and drinking the Stoli blueberry and Sprite, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" So I run over, I pick him up, and I smell, and he's all proud of himself. But I smell his breath, and his breath smells like vodka. Oh my god! And blueberries. So I'm like, "Oh my fucking god!" So I was, so at first I was like, "All right, let me see if he's okay." So I put him down, and he's like walking a little tipsy. <laughs> like I put him like on my bed. So I, I was worried about him but I didn't want him to stay in the bed whatever so I kind of just like watched him for a couple minutes and then I put him in his crate but with the the door open so at the time he was a puppy he was being crate trained because he had to learn how to like be housebroken and the whole night so eventually he like within minutes by the way he ends up falling asleep okay so sleeps through the night like fucking dead to the world I mean he's a puppy still the next morning and he was by the way he was snoring like it sounded like there was a bear in my room. Oh That's my how God. loud he was snoring. The it was amazing. Stole he snores. This little six-month-old Puggle. Then the next morning, I go and I had to wake him up. He woke up fine. He wasn't like, like you mm-hmm. know, he just passed the fuck out. He drank too much. And he didn't even drink that much. But for a six-month-old Puggle, right, any yeah. amount of vodka is too much. The best part, he peed himself in his sleep. <laughs> oh, my God. Poor little baby frat boy. I know. Oh, Anyway, that's my story about dogs and alcohol. However, he did always drink my coffee. I could not leave it down and Mm -hmm. leave the room. Oh, yeah. And Grover does the same thing. He will always drink my coffee if I leave it down for too long. Like, he's knocked over. Like, if I've ordered breakfast in the morning, like, he's knocked lattes over Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get to it because I always get, like, a flavored latte. So, anyway, that's my story.
1: Yeah. Danny doesn't give a fuck. Aggie just wants my drinks all the time. Drunk ass dogs.
0: Um so yeah, that's our our news stories. Um should we take another break or yeah, let's yeah, take another break. Let's take another break. And then we'll be back with some more shit for you.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: So we're going to do our another installment of Trope Busters, where we find a oft used trope in science fiction, fantasy, horror, pretty much used everywhere. But we're only going to focus, obviously, on those examples. And uh, kind of dispute or break down why it kind of sucks. As if it wasn't apparent. But sometimes it's not. But I still think it's an interesting conversation. So I'd go with it. We're <laughs> so, going to bust
1: it because busted makes us feel good. But this trope does good.
0: not. No, this trope is trash. So this trope is the woman who kills slash femme fatale trope. So the trope of the femme fatale, she uses her sexuality and feminine wiles to get what she wants and fool men into thinking he wants sex when really she wants money, power, or death. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I'm not mad at like her tricking a guy into wanting sex because she really, but she really wants to kill him. Like, I'm kind of okay with that part. I have problems <laughs> with the money and power part mm-hmm. for so many reasons. But I think because for myself, I feel like this is this is a prime example of when the majority of The entertainment and the media that we digest has been created by straight white men because this is like screams like patriarchal bullshit 101. Like, you know, that there's some wish fulfillment in their life, and they're probably mad at some girl that they were super into that probably wasn't that into them. So they turned, they made this character that's like this. And I think that it's fed this myth for a very long time that women, that are manipulative and all they want is your money. And I and I feel like shit like this, like this is why this is a harmful trope.
1: Yeah, and I think to me it exists in two realms where it's, and it, it is all from, from the male gaze, where it's on one hand, you have people like, let's say a Joss Whedon, who thinks that he's giving us this very empowered woman who is using her sexuality to get what she wants. Except for that is really what, So many men think women are all, that's all they have to bring to the table. That's all women can do. And so therefore the women are seen as these manipulative vamps who have nothing to bring except for their sexuality and they are using it against men. And so even from a, some kind of a misguided sense of like faux empowerment, It's still just this idea where it's like, oh yes, women are liars and that is just how it is. And it's gross.
0: Makes women, it it paints this picture of women cannot be sexual beings because if they're being a sexual being, it's not because they enjoy sex or that they're comfortable in their bodies. It's because they want to use their femininity to manipulate men. And like, that's not the case. Like women are sexual beings. Women can feel comfortable in their own skin and they can dress sexy and dressing sexy is not about men. It's about how they feel. And for too long, it's always been, you know, twisted the other way. And it's kind of slides into the whole adage of like, oh, well, how are you dressed? You were asking for it. And it's like, no, motherfucker, like I was dressed the way I wanted to be dressed because I wanted to wear that, you know. So there's some there's some characters or examples of this. But you know what? I don't know that I agree with Jessica Rabbit being one of those characters. Here's why. I think Jessica Rabbit was kind of satire in a way.
1: She was literally drawn that way.
0: Yeah, like there was, but there was the meta ness of like her knowing she was drawn that way and being, and saying like, that's not, I am not that. And she very much actually re- works against the stereotype. So I, I don't think that that character someone like, listen, if you feel differently, debate me. That's fine. But like, I think Jessica Rabbit is an example of kind of turning that trope on its head and kind of taking the piss out of it being like, yeah, just because I look like this doesn't mean I'm gonna go cheat on my husband. My husband's amazing. And he's funny. And he makes me laugh. And that's why I love him. Never mind the fact that it's a human cartoon and a rabbit cartoon. But maybe cartoon sex is different. I don't know. I'm not here to
1: judge. I'm not here to I'm not here to yuck anyone's cartoon yum. Um this as as all of our trope buster segments, um, these examples come from our very good friends at T V tropes, and we thank them for putting in all the work so that we can do the judgment.
0: Golf clap to TV Golf tropes. Golf claps
1: for T V tropes. Um speaking of Joss Whedon, Joss Whedon loves to trot out this character a lot. And so uh one of his biggest is a uh, saffron. Or uh, Yolanda, or perhaps Bridget from Firefly, as played by Christina Hendricks. And she just shows up.
0: God, I hated that character
1: so much. It was just doing the most. Just the absolute most. And it's, what I don't like about this. Oh, God. What I don't like most about this character is there is this idea. And it happens a lot with femme fatale characters, is that. There's this implication where all she needs is just the love of a good man. And if if it's just a good man like Mal Reynolds, what, can show her just that, like, you know, a little love, then, like, maybe she can be a good person, too. And it's like, wait, he's trash. They deserve each other because they're both garbage. Faith from Buffy also utilizes that kind of same Femme fatale sensibility, which I'm fine with because she's kind of like a queer icon. But one that I really want to hit on, because this is a this is a weirdly common thing in the in the femme fatale trope. And I want to see if you notice this too, Cher. The childlike femme fatale that is so creepy to me. And the one that I'm thinking of is Drusilla from Buffy, where she's so innocent and childlike, but in a sexualized way. And it's so creepy and weird. And I've seen this before, but Drazilla oh, is to like, me like the all stand the characters
0: out. in Sucker Punch. Yes, It's kind of like how every character yeah, in Sucker like, Punch.
1: It's like I'm a sexy baby that's gonna kill you. And it's like, what the fuck is wrong with men? Harley Quinn kind of tends to veer into that too. I don't care for it. She deserves yeah. better.
0: And I was actually going to say, I think an interesting. Interesting examples of these characters are like a Catwoman or a Poison, uh, Poison Ivy or Harley Quinn that in the wrong hands, <clears throat> usually a straight white guy, they will make those characters hypersexualized. In the right hands, they get course corrected and actually have incredibly interesting stories. And I think Catwoman's a perfect example of that. And I think two examples of of Catwoman, well, three actually, is look at the three, just even if you're not super steeped on the comic book lore of Catwoman, if you just look at the movie examples, because the three versions that we've seen on the live screen so far, they are different, but there's some underlying similarities. But I think, a, I think one difference is... Even if you just look at the Catwoman movie that came out, knowing the version that the screenwriter wanted to create or the move, the version that they wanted versus versus the version that the studio gave, because that was two different versions, if I remember correctly. Right. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure that she became more sexualized after. After the fact that was not the initial attention, but even looking at like Michelle Pfeiffer and Anne Hathaway. Oh my god! Thank you, Anne Hathaway. Oh my god, do I like? Do I need to see a doctor about my memory issues? Like, I'm getting a little concerned. But no, Anne Hathaway and Michelle Pfeiffer, um, their versions were interesting because I feel like Michelle Pfeiffer's version was definitely sexier. Yes, right. Like she was way sexy. I mean, I know for a lot of people, she was a sexual awakening, and Anne Hathaway's wasn't. But I weirdly think that in some ways. Michelle Pfeiffer's was more empowered.
1: Yeah, hers was like sexual as like her own personal revolution, whereas Anne Hathaway's Selena didn't really have that journey.
0: Yeah, I think they were both good, but I think that's a good example of where a character that in the comic books because you know, before like the comic book versions of Catwoman that existed before, you know, Tim Burton's movie version of her I mean, there were some questionable moments in that comic book pack character's history. And probably even same can be said for the versions that of Catwoman that we saw in um, the Dark Knight trilogy mm-hmm. and Christopher Nolan's version. But I think that those two iterations, of that character, I think they were two different takes that both saw a probably more, like where she wasn't just this like, well that's not true Because I think the Christopher Nolan version Actually was a little bit more She needs the love of a good man Because she ends up with Bruce in the end
1: They run away together
0: Yeah And I don't know that I I, don't, I didn't like that ending I really didn't I like that, that ending I know that in the comics Those two go back and forth Being together But I almost liked it better In the Tim Burton version of her Because there was the sexual chemistry Between Michelle Pfeiffer And, and Michael Keaton But They didn't end up together, even though like I kind of you kind of expected it more with that pairing. But in this pairing, I feel like she very much fell into the she needed the love of a good man to kind of like go straight. Like he had to save her.
1: Yeah, she just wanted to like erase herself from the internet which like I think every writer or person with like, a same girl remote like, internet notoriety same. has wanted that exact technology. Holy shit.
0: And but she didn't need him to do that. But I think that Poison Ivy and Catwoman and even Harley Quinn are examples again of like characters that in the wrong hands they're not going to be as fully formed. I think I just realized throughout that that little tirade of mine that that's why I like Tim Burton's Catwoman better, but also because she's just iconic.
1: Also, I, like Michelle Pfeiffer.
0: I know Michelle she's such a Pfeiffer. goddess. She's perfect.
1: There are ways to do this trope correctly, and like have this, like have
0: it be an actual power move as opposed to. I think Mystique is also another good example of this because she's definitely a very sensual character that I, I think she would fall under femme fatale. And I can't decide how I feel about the version of her that we've seen on screen.
1: And I would say purely by virtue of the things who have just been different, that the Rebecca Romaine one was sexualized more because that's just what life was like. Also, those movies, I don't, I don't think those original X-Men movies were good. That said, I don't know how, I still don't really know really how I feel about Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique, but she definitely doesn't have that kind of like same level of objectification of the Rebecca Romaine one.
0: I agree. I think we also got a little bit more of her backstory, so I think that mm-hmm. also helped. Yeah. Actually, this is another thing that I want people to tell us. Like, what is a version of a femme fatale that exists in genre that where she isn't turned into this like shitty you know oh i just need the love of a good man type of thing like i think there's a way this trope can be done right so i'm interested in people sharing with us those versions because we can sit here and name the examples that are like trash Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i want to know what people think what is a good version of a femme fatale that hasn't been hypersexualized that exists solely within the male gaze and doesn't paint women as you know these mistrusting, hypersexualized, you know. Oh, if they're sexual, then it's because they only want something from you. I think that's where we should leave that off. Yes. Um, And I think we should go right into our Shiro of the week, our useless male of the week, and our reviewer of the week.
1: Every week we like to take a moment to dishonor the men doing the most to be the absolute least in a little segment we like to call "useless male of the week." <laughs> Week's useless mail is a gentleman called Paul Gaillot, or perhaps Gaillot. Frankly, I don't care. He is the scriptwriter of the film Geostorm. And he had some good, good advice for the people about how to be a true and proper writer. When someone asked online, you know, they want to be a writer and they said, but when bills can't be paid between gigs, the make some money non-writing jobs take me away from that best self. I always wonder what my life would be like had I grown up with a larger safety net. To which Paul said, if you had a larger safety net, then you'd be less of a writer. Your best self is the one who powers through writing, even though you have a hateful job taking up a lot of time. You carve out time before or after work. You make no excuses. You do whatever it takes. That's your best self. Look, folks, I know it's hard as hell, but when you let your circumstances dictate your writing life, you're not a writer. This is all resistance. Bills, meds, etc. You can't let it win, or you can decide you're a writer no matter what and give a middle finger to anything in your way, even if you have to wake yeah, up. Yeah, I hate
0: this so much. Stop I reading it. it. Yeah. Stop reading it. I hate it's it so much. It's just more of
1: that. It's just more of that TBH. I will just end it with this little, this little trinket. There is always time. There is always opportunity. The only question is, how bad do you want it? Okay. I hate this. I hate this. I hate Hi. this so much because, like, here's the thing. Hi. There's no one way. No. We are both writers. And you know what? There's a lot of shit that gets in the way. There is life. Life gets in the way all the time. And that's just how it is. I want my career, my life, more than anything in the world. It's the only thing I've ever wanted to do or to be. But you know what? I have two special needs kids. I just went through a divorce. I have depression. I have anxiety. I have bills to pay. I have random stressors. And I have just life outside of it that gets in the way. We all do. So you know what? Let life get in the way sometimes because you've gotta take care of your shit. And you know what? Whatever you're able to do is fine. It's enough. You're good enough. Don't let Geostorm tell you that you're not. Move on. You're useless, Geostorm. Okay. And with that,
0: (laughs) with every episode, we want to celebrate the good, the great, the best. It's time for our Shiro of the Week. And this week's Shiro of the Week is Jersey City's very own, Jersey City, New Jersey's very own Ms. Marvel. Kamala Khan who not only broke ground by becoming Marvel's first Muslim character to lead her own comics title she is now getting her own series on Disney Plus I think this is fantastic I'm so excited for this because we're finally seeing in this phase 4 that Disney seems to be walking the walk and not just talking the talk and at least Marvel 100% is and I'm here for that. The diversity that's going to be in phase four is unlike what we've seen in the first three phases. And I just love the the whole fact that little brown girls are going to see a superhero that looks like them. And more importantly, Pakistani American is a Pakistani American superhero that's from a religious family. And I think that's just very relatable. And I think that it's, we're gonna see finally a Muslim character that's not a terrorist or the bad guy. They're the fucking hero. And I love that. And they're, and she's a young girl and I love that. And she's from fucking Jersey, Re- represent. I love that. Like, we're finally seeing. Something that we haven't seen before, and I think ultimately that's what movies and TV shows are supposed to be. They're supposed to introduce us to stuff that is unlike stuff we've imagined or seen before, or maybe things that only have existed in our imagination. So, you go, Ms. Marvel. I'm super excited for Sana because she created this character. So, Sana, you're also our co of the week, Sana Amina, who is obviously Ms. Marvel's creator, and based a lot of her backstory on her own upbringing. So yay, yay for Jersey, yay for Ms. Marvel, and she's our Shiro of the Week. Now it's time for our favorite segment, the one where we shout
1: out one listener or reviewer for their awesome feedback about the podcast. Without you, we would just be talking to ourselves. So I thank you this week, we'd like to shout out Cat-Eyed Fox, who had this to say in a review titled, And Yes, We All Hate Men, which I give five stars for that. We don't, don't all hate, me. hate men. We don't all hate. We, okay, we don't hate all men. Some men suck. Some men are useless. Yeah, they do. But I'm just saying that's the title of that. We didn't say we hate all men. We didn't say that. That's just the name of this review. But we also love geek and nerd stuff. This podcast is everything to me. I'm actively sad when I reach the end of the episode and realize I'll have to wait another week to kick back and rage against the capitalist patriarchy machine. I love all of you. And we love you, Cat-Eyed Fox. Get in touch with us on Twitter and let us know and we will send you a t-shirt
0: for your good, good words. Also, Rage Against the Capitalist Patriarchy Machine, new band name. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. It should be an all-female cover band of Rage Against the Machine. That should be our new t-shirt. Thanks for listening. And as always, leave us some love on iTunes because it helps support and promote the show. And honestly, we've been getting more reviews. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Um, You guys are amazing. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod, And I'm the TheShareness on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find Preethi at RunwithSkizzers on Twitter.
1: And I'm at Court on Twitter and Courtney low on Instagram.
0: And until next time,
1: speak geek like a girl.